0: We see something that we all know is dangerous, and Diggory's like, whoa. And Polly's like, no,
1: (laughs) this would be a bad thing. Polly's
2: more like, meh. Welcome to Talking Beasts
1: from NarniaWeb.com,
2: where we explore the world of C.S. Lewis and keep a watchful eye
1: on the latest Narnia movie news. This is Talking Beasts.
0: So, standard introduction. Uh, Glum Puddle, Jim Fan, Rillian is the order. Don't mess it up, or we'll look stupid. More than normal.
2: <laughs> I was gonna say. I feel like this <laughs> <up there. laughs> will we'll, <laughs> we'll look like those nar-
0: will look like those Narnia fans that you know have movie quotes on their mugs. <laughs> even though they claim to be book fans.
1: You know, I should just like mix it, like have I am your father one week
0: and then like I erase it. I need like a dry erase yeah, there mug. You go. For those of you actually listening to this podcast, um, Rillian has a mug. A gift
1: to me by by someone who doesn't uh, who loves me very much but has never read the Chronicles of Narnia. It's a Reepicheep Cheap mug with a fantastic, it's a fantastic look of a picture of Reepicheep, Cheap. And then on the other side, It says, we have nothing if not belief. So I need to get some porcelain paint, like porcelain, like cross it out.
0: <laughs> At least it's not credited to C.S. Lewis. Yeah, <laughs> it could be
1: worse. I need to have something like you know he sh- who shall not be named, or like you know just go through like different movie book <laughs> quotes. Yeah, <laughs> yep. You know,
0: transitioning to uh, a book that C.S. Lewis did in fact write, that being the Magician's Nephew. By the way, this is Glumpuddle.
2: and I'm Jim Fan.
1: And if you haven't figured it out, <laughs> you need to try another podcast. Yeah, this that's is true. Really-
2: <laughs>
0: Brilliant. Really, the guy that's got to make his intro special somehow. You're usually third, so you have to figure something exactly. out. We're reading The I Magician's am Nephew. Brilliant. Roll that R. We're reading like The Magician's Rattigan. Nephew. We're Rattigan. in chapter four, and we're going to get to the chapter four discussion if it kills me. <laughs> um, it's because this chapter is particularly awesome. This is the Bell and the Hammer chapter. This is the. Famous. It's one of those things that for some reason, everyone just remembers that inscription they find in Charn. There's a bell. There's a hammer and the words that mysteriously they can read. There's like, you know, auto Google translate thing that happens in their minds or whatever. Make your choice, adventurous stranger. Strike the bell and bide the danger or wonder till it drives you mad. What would have followed if you had? And that made my great, when we did our 70 greatest Narnia quotes of all time, that made my list. Nice
1: narrator voice, by the way.
2: Yes, I was going to say. Very very good, very good. It's
1: like, you should you should use that all the
2: time.
0: Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I think I've got something kind of caught in my throat, and that's what's creating it now, so it, <laughs> okay. it doesn't necessarily come for the asking. Um, great
2: narration voice brought to you by Spring Head Cold.
0: Thank you I can't plan those unfortunately. <laughs> well honestly i have uh, I have a son in daycare, so I can just about plan those actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will be sick all the time. Thank you.
0: <laughs> the magician's nephew, uh so there's something about this inscription that everyone just remembers for for some reason. um right off the bat, I want to ask. We know what happens here. You know, Lewis writes that, you know, Diggory did something that was inexcusable, except that he was sorry about it later. And a great many other people were sorry about it, too. He, you know, grabs Polly's wrist and hurts it um, because she does not want to strike the bell. She's too, I don't know, smart, I guess. And hits the bell. And, of course, awakens, who later becomes the White Witch, who enslaves Narnia for 100 years. Horrible consequences as a result of Diggory just being curious which is the, the theme of this story that's standing oh, because out to of me. just
1: being a dude like a young and <laughs> a young dude at that but okay we'll yeah. go with your explanation <laughs>
0: <laughs> well well you know what um is this something where you obviously what diggory did is inexcusable and it's like why would you do it it's the horror movie where you're shouting at the screen no don't go down the dark alley no yeah. d- don't split up okay it's not yeah. you're not going to cover more ground it's not worth you're it
1: like, oh, what could happen in this cabin
0: Yes, in the woods. Um so but do you what do you relate at all to Diggory's conundrum of do I hit the bell or not? Or are you just shouting at the page, no, you idiot? And you kinda have to kinda have to go back to the first time you read the book and you I'm not sure how well you can remember your first reading, but um when you didn't know what was gonna happen, are you still going, No, don't do it? Or do you kind of understand where he's coming from, a little bit, wanting to hit the bell.
1: The reader is kind of like, well, I kind of want to know. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's like, what how, I was going to say. How boring
1: would it be? You know what? Uh, and degree really listened to Polly and her, saw the reason in what she was saying, and so they walked away.
2: And like <laughs> the end. What the, come
1: on, you know the reader's. Got, but I will say, like, I like that. Will be how it there.
0: should have ended. Good, good I, books. I there. Yeah,
2: good books. Good stories are never good because people made. The responsible choice at the beginning. Well, and Asildur
1: as said, Elrond, you're
0: right. <laughs> Bink! <laughs> you know? But hang on a second. But we can still have people make bad bad choices, but we can understand. Yeah, you know, we so, can I, I, think, so
1: I don't get it from a curiosity perspective. Because I'm like, there is nothing in the world that I'm so curious about that it's going to drive me bonkers. I'm married to a woman. And so, you know... I will, I will never understand women and I have um, made peace with that. So, <laughs> no, I don't get it from that perspective. But if you look back on Diggory with just, I, I feel like with the character, with the smuggler's cave and all the things they were talking about doing and, and even his willingness to jump in after Polly. Well, now Polly's in front of him. And I'm not saying it's a, a romantic need to impress, but I think there is a a very normal element of you know kind of a kind of a yin and yang to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I think there is a certain element of with a young boy uh young boys don't want to be thought cowards; they just don't sure there's maybe no uh it's a, like a biblical epic at this point. In the american psyche for those of our international listeners you need to watch a movie called a christmas story (laughs) where you learn how influential a triple dog dare is but it's like (laughs) the the greatest magic of of all yeah it's like oh my goodness he went for the throat but kids young boys don't want to be thought a chicken they don't want to be considered to be uh cowards so from that perspective it completely makes sense to me if i try to put myself in his shoes Hmm. and so I think from that perspective, like, uh, yeah, I'd ring the bell if maybe if there's a part of me, even if she wasn't saying it, there's a part of me thinking, well, uh, I need to show that I'm willing to do it um, from a curiosity perspective, which is kind of the what's written in the text. Uh, no, I can't identify.
0: OK, so what you just talked about there, like you're saying you're not saying that's necessarily what's going on with the character of Diggory, but that's the only thing that where you might be able to relate to if it was more of a pride that's, or showing off thing
1: that's the only thing that would make sense and if and i if i make the argument that he's thinking that i'm purely making an argument from an imaginative perspective of well maybe the character was thinking this i'm not trying to ground my opinion firmly in oh well, i can read the subtext and this is how i know what Diggory is thinking i'm not trying mm-hmm. to make that strong a case um i'm just saying may yeah maybe digger was thinking that but I'm thinking. I'm really saying that's. It kind of makes more sense from that angle. I don't think it's inconsistent with maybe what he was thinking. Okay. But I'm not trying to ground it as a. Oh yeah, this is definitely what he was thinking. This it's is why uh, it
2: Interpretation. It's your personal. I could see. It's my th-
1: personal interpretation, and I don't try to. I don't try to <laughs> put a big stake in it. Yes. I'm not gonna. Okay. Die on this hill. Yes.
2: <laughs> You're not writing right. any like. I'll put it like that. Treacy, like any <laughs> big books and commentaries on this. Partly because I don't like when people do saying? that.
1: Well, this is the secret meaning that I have divined, and it's definitely right. I have there's no textual basis for why I believe what I believe, but it's definitely right. I don't like when people do that, so I'm not going to do that.
0: I love it when people do that, so we should do a <laughs> uh, talk about. That. I'm kidding. Ah, um, postmodernism, is something. <laughs> Jim, fan, are you shouting at the page at this point? Or are you like kind of getting, kind of getting it a little bit? Is this just, is this a real choice we're looking at, or is it just obviously it's a no?
2: I mean, again, it kind of I think for me, if I am like putting myself in his shoes, it's a no. But as the third party reader, I'm like, yes, please. Obviously, we want to okay. know what fa- <laughs> what is going to happen because again, that's how interesting stories are created. Sure.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think it I mean it is I mean, it is possible to create stories where people make bad choices, but we understand. We identify with it. I guess it's maybe what I'm getting is how credible is this? How believable is it? And I think I remember it's been a long time since my first reading of The Magician's Nephew, but I just remember I was caught up in the magic of the reason they're here is to explore. They, they're getting a choice they, they're probably never going to get again. Their rings are going to get taken away from mm-hmm. them. And that's why they're here is to explore other worlds here's this bell and the hammer what would happen if i struck it so all i'm saying is it's not excusable but i do understand it a little bit and i was i, I was absolutely screaming no 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 at the page but also kind of understanding a little bit curiosity and the dangers of it definitely the theme of the story that is standing out um rereading at this time Uh, question that just occurred to me um there's a bit where um you know polly's um, like, well, why would anybody want to hit the bell?, well, but what's the point of that? She's not being taken in at all. Um, and Diggory says that's the magic of it. I can feel it beginning to work on me already. Is there a magic of the room at all or the inscription or something that like lures you in? Is there a green mist or something? um
1: don't, don't hey. Don't use profanity. There's, there's kids, <laughs> there's young, innocent kids listening to this podcast.
0: He Please. says as he sips his tea out of a mug with a quote from that movie. They can't read it. It's an audio podcast. <laughs> so that's true.
2: You'll never know.
0: <laughs> Is there magic in the room?
1: I don't. I don't know. I never believed Dickery. I never believed Dickery. Like I can feel the magic working. So sort of like I can't help. I mean, even the Turkish delight was. You know, in uh-huh. Canada, but it didn't make Edmund blameless. So, so you don't um, have a
0: sense. It's a little bit like in uh, dark uh, on no, uh, Deathwater in the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Interesting, those Dawn Treader comparisons keep coming up. <laughs> but when they come back, is it like there's? It's slightly ambiguous. Like, was there something about the water that made them suddenly get really, really mad at each other and argumentative? And when they come back from it, you know, even, you know, the majesty seemed bewitched when they came back and did Aslan, like, wipe their minds or what happened? And so um, do you think that's what's intended here by Lewis? Like, oh, is there something about the room or the inscription that's, like, tempting or drawing in Diggory? Or is this just Diggory getting caught up in the romance? I Because mean, um, it seems to have no effect on Polly.
2: I always kind of envision kind of like this these three examples that you've given i've always envisioned Mm -hmm. them as being like the type of magic that has the ability to like exploit and enhance certain traits but it Mm -hmm. again you still have free will like you're not you're not losing your will to act or to not act but if you already have a you know, like a a bend in one direction, it's just gonna inc- it's gonna make it really easy to just keep going that way. If Diggory's already feeling curious, which we know he is because he's the one who wanted to start jumping in these pools and you know explore, so it's 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 latching onto that curiosity and it's it's exploiting it to allow it to grow. But it but he has but like it has to be there in the first place, and he also has to like go along with it it didn't make him do it
0: right isn't it interesting that whoever it was that carved the inscription the witch i suppose we can presume the witch was the one that carved Yeah, the how did this thing get there
1: did she just snap <laughs> her fingers and by the way i'll need an <laughs> out
0: yeah obviously it's very vague in the next chapter we can get into it more just kind of how, how vague it is um really and you're tweeting when we're recording right now <laughs> I, I just got a notification that I got a not, retweeted not by Rillian. I got a notification. <laughs> I'm so happy you're paying such close attention. Yeah. I was trying um, to find,
1: I was trying to find the <laughs> far side comic and tweet it out. The far side comic where you see all the deer in the theater, and they're watching a deer go up the steps towards the attic, and there's all these antlers along the wall, and one of the deer just can't resist, and he yells out, Don't do it, don't go in there. That's what I was trying to find.
0: <laughs> okay, so it would but have googling been googling far
1: side, Don't go in there, didn't yield so good. Would result. have been
0: semi-relevant to our discussion. Okay,
2: okay. So at You're least forgiving. it was somewhat on track. On topic, uh,
0: there is a really interesting. Uh, was this an email? I think it was I got from Colonel Clink, uh, where he asked uh, regarding the bell and the hammer. Who do you guys think carved the words under the bell in Charn? I'd assume it was Jada, since everybody else wa- had been destroyed by the deplorable word. But why would she make the words so ominous when she wanted someone to awaken her? Wouldn't it have made more sense to say, strike the bell and you'll have happy fun times or something? <laughs> the, the delivery was mine, not necessarily Colonel. Keats. I added that. <laughs> a sorry. Good,
1: uh, that's a good thought.
0: But I mean, thoughts on that. Like, uh, there's so many things the witch could have written. Instead, she decided to appeal to the reader's curiosity.
2: I have a thought on this. Which I it kind of came to me when I was going through notes for the subsequent chapter, which we are probably not getting to today, but probably not. No, we're, we're not. Definitely not. Okay. <laughs>
1: Horse feathers.
2: I was rereading it again and I was kind of looking at, it and the one thing that stood out to me was like, I I don't know what is the good word. Is it maybe like like inflated sense of self or like hubris or just drama that Jadis has just like, it is just so deeply ingrained in her. Like, if she's going to do something, it's, a, like, in the biggest dramatic way, she's convinced that what was the whole, like, uh, the whole thing? She was like, you know, this great magician, your uncle, he must have, like, looked into a magic pool, a magic bowl of water, yes. and he saw my beautiful mm-hmm. face, and he was like, I must rescue her. Um so, like, just this very inflated sense of drama and, like, everything must be this certain way. So, like, obvious – so, in that, it would make sense that she would be like, I'm going to set up this thing and it's going to be super dramatic and it's going to be super this and it's just – Irresistible. Irresistible. You know, like, that's just kind of how her brain works. Um, And uh-huh. she would obviously assume that if anyone came near, they would obviously immediately s- – point her out and be like oh my gosh what can I do to wake her up oh look at this random bell (laughs) and hammer I bet if I hit it it'll save the beautiful queen you know like that's kind of how I read that is that she's just a sucker for drama Basically,
0: so you think it is more effective than strike the bell, and you'll have happy fun times. Yeah, because Colonel Cling's version. Because she's
2: like, why would anyone ever do anything for happy fun times? Like, obviously, they're going to do stuff for me. <laughs>
1: oh, do anything for happy fun
2: like, times? Like, I people world, do
0: things for happy fun times. The universe sometimes?
2: revolves around here, obviously.
0: <laughs> Fair enough,
2: but she
1: didn't come up with the spell. It's an old spell that's been. I think she said right passed down from generations.
2: But the is royal families know it. The wake up part is her spell or the deplorable word?
0: I mean, it's just, I mean, later it's just, it's very vague. It's just, I had already cast, I think just, I had already cast such spells amongst the images, you know, of, in the hall of images and the force of such spells was such that I would sleep among them until someone came and struck the bell. So I think it's, you could, I guess you could interpret it as, you know it's an old spell she's reusing or is she kind of making Tweaky, it herself it, anyway, it to it's her vague purpose. it's vague so and i guess it would make more sense that for yeah for whatever reason it's a pre-existing spell that she is copy pasting um Copy-pasta. and using for her own purposes <laughs> <laughs> What? What? <laughs> Even in China,
1: they have copy and paste.
0: Well, I mean, this is a civilization that's reached the- um,
2: The dying star
0: age. The, I, mean, we, I already established it has a Google auto-translate for the inscription. <laughs> so um, It's not
2: in the past. Yes. It's in the future.
0: <laughs> if it said something like, you'll have happy, fun times, I think- my defenses would go up. It would be too good to be true. It'd be like, like "Well, I'm no not going to hit that bell." There's no way. <laughs> like, if it said something like, draft! "Yeah, strike the bell and you'll be instantly rich," or you'll, you know, or
2: like delete Nigerian prince scam.
0: Right. <laughs> like, I think there's even a chance that Polly, if it said wait, something, wait, wait, those are scams. Oh no. <laughs> there's a a, a a prince from Charn here says I just need my social security number and I have to strike this bell. That's all it says you be um, like, okay,
2: okay, I can do that.
0: I, I think if it said, yeah, something like that, where it was, you know, strike this bell and, you know, you'll be instantly rich or something like that. Um, I think that would be too, that's way too suspicious. It's way too good to be true. But the curiosity is enough to work just maybe, and of course it happens, maybe you would hit it even though you knew there might be danger because you were just so curious. So appealing to curiosity, I think kind of makes sense. It makes me wonder though, how, how many people- had visited that bell before zero and went nope. i have a theory zero. about
2: this but it, i'm I'm gonna it, talk about it in the next chapter
0: oh Later. man i want to know okay well I'll, I'll, don't forget to have that in the notes
1: i i, I agree with you probably but it is interesting because it plays it it works differently depending on the psychology of the person reading it because it's like you know you have polly like or oh, by the danger oh well that makes our decision very simple we don't want any danger yeah and degree's like well, <laughs> 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 Maybe though. Do we? Do we? Do we? Are we sure about this? Let's rethink this position. So, uh the because it, it has opposite effects on them. It is an interesting. It yep. plays with the curiosity aspect rather than, you know, yeah, <laughs> having fun times. I'm gonna set. I'm gonna put a bell. Here's the way we find out. Settle this. We go to a park. We set up a camera, like a hidden camera, like a candy camera. We put this inscription on a bell. And we say, we do too. We do a control group with the one from the book. Hear me out. Then we have a second one at a different location. And we say, happy fun times. And we see which one gets And we see what here. happens.
0: I actually saw this inscription uh, graffitied on a sidewalk one time huh? uh, with a little bell drawn and everything. I don't know if anybody actually... Struck struck it.
2: Who who did graffiti, graffiti this though? Was it? Did you do it? Is that what you're trying to I say? Did do <laughs> it. Was Was it I fr- did not do it. I did little not
1: little do little it. I did not do it. Graffiti it and then step back and a- says, "Hey guys, I saw
0: graffiti <laughs> that said this." Yeah, <laughs> if technically you were, yeah. true. Yeah, I did. I, I just took a selfie with it. I did not draw
2: mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> really quick, before we move on from this, uh, I want to compare this to a scene in Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Similar thing. They come to the darkness and everyone else is and everyone on the Dawn Trader says, Well, we're not going into that. That would be stupid, except Reapy Cheap. Um, it's a similar thing, I remember thinking courage. Like, I was com-
1: like I said, courage explains it. Mm-hmm. Not curiosity.
0: But were you well at that point, were you also saying, yeah, obviously Reaper Cheap's wrong. There's no reason to go in there. It's obviously dangerous. Or were you like, yeah, they, they got to do this because, you know, honor honor, and adventure and all that stuff. I like think you guys are both in the camp of no, like you, you don't really understand the Diggory thing at all as far as curiosity. We don't relate to it anyway. But similar thing with Reaper Cheap. How would you compare it to that situation? Did, did you, Were you with Reaper Cheap or were you like, no, you idiot, screaming at the page?
2: No, you idiot! Screaming at the page.
0: <laughs> so in both cases, you were saying no, you idiot. I mean, I was with Reapy Cheap all the way.
2: Like, I am me. I am. I am extremely <laughs> risk averse.
0: You've got the enneagram, whatever it is. That's risk averse. Yes, wh- whatever. Which it one is, is that? Yes. Whatever
1: the Instagram okay. personality test is. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, okay, I want to throw that out there. I think it's so interesting that the Don Treader um, comparisons keep coming up. Colonel Clink posted something like, you know, I think it was a comment where he said it he is realizing this idea of Magician's Nephew almost being the anti Don Treader, or at least a counterpoint to it where it's, you know, so much of Don Treader is the romance of the unknown and exploring. And this is more the danger of, uh that sense of curiosity and longing and where it can lead. I'm definitely going to revisit that more as the series goes along. But it's so interesting that Magician's Nephew and Don Treader comparisons mm. just keep, keep naturally kind of coming up. Um, so really in uh you had you, you had a problem with my note. I have a
1: problem with your problem. <laughs> <laughs>
0: think Charn is
1: awesome. Maybe I just have a better imagination than you.
2: <laughs>
0: Burn. Well, l- let me set the stage here. Okay, go ahead. Backing up to the beginning of chapter four here. Um, so there's all this buildup for about at least about a half of the previous chapter of, wait a minute, we could explore other worlds. And even in chapter two, I think it is, where Diggory's talking to Uncle Andrew and he says, don't you know what you might find in another world? You might find anything, anything. And my imagination just starts going crazy of, the crazy things that I prob my brain probably can't even process of what you might find in other worlds, and then all the build up with what's in all the other pools, and it could be anything. So you're thinking gotta- like
1: Doctor Strange level of weirdness,
0: maybe, maybe something. All I'm saying is, and then you get there, and it's just like, oh, it's just a bunch of rocks. Um, but I I would hasten to add that I think Lewis makes up for it with. Uh, mystery atmosphere in the sense of backstory we've missed out on like what happened here and who were these people and the eeriness of why is there no sound at all why are there no living things at all and so it's similar but there's something about that's a little bit otherworldly so i like that
1: that's also typical c.s lewis though like he'll say oh care castle well, well, how big is this castle? I don't know. It's care about this castle. I mean, he, he'll describe the food <laughs> yeah. in more detail than he will you know, the, the the setting. But I, I mean, because again, and you've you've talked about this before, going put how it, Narnia is it got it doesn't have a ton of detail on certain geography. It's got tons of detail on atmosphere, mm. and uh-huh. that's yep. where the detail is. So sure. now for me, I kind of imagine it is like. Petra and Jordan, you know, with like if you've seen, yes, Indiana Jones' the Last Crusade, that's where the, the entrance to the Holy Grail is. You know, I, I kind of imagine architecture like that. Also, I definitely imagine this looks like Mars from, you know, Mad Damon's The Martian, you know, where <laughs> okay. it's like oh, this is kind of this, this glow, you know, red planet almost. Yeah. But I, I like uh, that. I, I, that's how I imagine it. But I think. Yeah, it it is the atmosphere where the detail goes, and the rest of it, I admit, is just my imagination
0: filling it in. But I also kind of enjoy the anticlimax of I'm yeah I'm going in expecting Doctor Strange and the multiverse and craziness. Instead, it it is just oh, it just rocks. You know, there there is something about the anticlimax of it that I think ultimately becomes. like if, if if C.S. Lewis tried to go full on Doctor Strange craziness, it would never live up. It's like it's never right. going to live up yeah. to your expectations. So I think going with kind of a anticlimax and lean into atmosphere and mystery is on the whole the, the the better way to go. So I'm just expressing an initial disappointment I kind of have with it.
1: You you kind of have to downplay it to be able to start playing up things because especially like because the reader can expect all kinds of things. But if it's like oh. Now you have these like like a you know we'll get into it later but like this really unique looking people you know there in this, mm-hmm. in this they 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 don't look like people not from that our world. unique they're still you humans know. you know they're still yeah. humans and, okay yes it's not you know, it's not Deep Space Nine uh, but you know <laughs> it's it, sometimes the subtle things are more powerful because you can write anything like. And then he saw planets f- flying and colliding into each other but right. none of the debris mm-hmm. hit the so I'm like at some point it can get very boring very quickly.
0: Mhm. I think I think we kind of expect when we go to another world that it's going to be something you know super highly advanced and we kind of I think you automatically imagine getting there in like the prime of that world. And in this case we've gotten there thousands of this world's been over for thousands of years and in a way that seems more probable makes you wonder if yeah. maybe a high percentage of the pools just lead to worlds that have been dead for hundreds of thousands or millions of years.
1: And we think, oh, space travel, what if we could go to another alien civilization? Yeah, we just, for some reason, we just imagine one that's advanced and, and, and alive. We don't, we don't think, oh, we'll find some really super advanced alien civilization. Oh, yeah. And they've been dead for thousands of years because they killed each other.
0: There is a really uh, interesting bit. They finally come to the Queen. Uh, Lewis writes... Diggory said he had never in all his life known a woman so beautiful. And it's only fair to add that Polly always said she couldn't see anything specially beautiful about her. So question, is this just sexual attraction or is there something about their characters being revealed here?
2: I, I think just Polly in general is not like extremely like impressed by a lot of things. Like it takes her time to like warm up to something. So she's, uh, at first sight, she's not really, like, super gobsmacked. Um, mm-hmm. And it could be if she spent more time with Jadis and she found out that she was really quite a lovely woman, then she might you know be like... <laughs> a damn fine woman. I, a damn fine woman.
0: A <laughs> damn fine woman.
2: <laughs> then, she, you know, she would turn, come to appreciate, like, oh my gosh, I want to look like her. Or she's really beautiful or whatever. But Diggory is easily... Like his personality is more like, oh my gosh, look at that! That's the best thing ever.
0: Lewis writes, "The last figure was the last figure of all was the most interesting. A woman even more richly dressed than the others, very tall, with a look of such fierceness and pride that it took your breath away. Uh, and yet she was beautiful too. And it's Diggory though that finds her beautiful, and Polly doesn't. So there's something about that. I've always sensed there's something about that fierceness and pride that Diggory." I mean get maybe gets caught up in the romance about and isn't seeing the danger, and Polly's not getting caught up in the romance of it
1: I think that um I'm with jim fan on this i think it's 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 a reflection it's not just oh yeah, he's you know how old and he's saying, oh, twelve yeah, I think she's a, she's- she's, tra- she's attractive and and I don't think it's that I think it's revealing an element of their character and you know Diggory is he's a very young boy he's be- but he kind of becomes a healthy antithesis to. Uncle Andrew, uh, he becomes a professor. He becomes he ends up becoming very grounded in logic and reason uh, as he gets older. We know that, mm-hmm. um, as Zelos decided to ruin for us uh, early on uh, in this book. <laughs> in the uh, previous chapter, <laughs> I think that Diggory is in many ways actually kind of similar to Uncle Andrew, not in character but in personality. Hmm. So I think that what we see here is some of. Diggory's, you know, some of his you know pitfalls in terms of his like the things that impress him because a lot of because of course Uncle Andrew is super impressed by um but he doesn't have any kind of moral ground to check with which to check her character. Very long-winded way of saying Jim Fan is correct.
2: (laughs) Oh, i thank you, thank you.
0: (laughs) Definitely, you get the feeling the way it's written that Lewis wouldn't put that in there. Just be like, well, you know. Diggory is probably about hitting puberty, and here's a beautiful <laughs> like that's not the that's reason. Not this- Dirty little twelve year old boy, <laughs> like that's yeah. It's clear that like, this is supposed to say something about dig- about uh, Diggory and Polly as characters, and it, it, it's definitely it's probably a a, a foreshadowing of something that's going to happen on like the next page. But it's so, we see something that we all know is dangerous, and Diggory's like, "Whoa," and Polly's like, "No." <laughs> no <Uh-oh. this> is- <laughs>
1: This would be a bad thing.
2: Polly's more like meh.
0: Uh, but again, Diggory caught up in the romance of it and and the characteristics that aren't necessarily, our personality traits aren't necessarily inherently good or bad. In I, I, the I dark side I and I don't, I don't believe to
1: it. Because pers- character is a very much a moral playing field, right? Good and uh-huh. bad character. I, I don't believe that personality is a fundamentally moral description of something. Absolutely not. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I truly don't. Because there's all types of uh, people think about even like you know I mean people talk about even like like the warrior gene right there's some people in society that are more violent they just are more violent character determines where does this person find that themselves does this person find themselves as a you know what this person is a really really just the type of person you want in the military and is just the right person for it and then like yeah this guy's a criminal and he will be a criminal until the day he dies you know yeah uh-huh diggory is has a lot in common with Uncle Andrew, in terms of potential pitfalls he could fall into,
0: but uh, hopefully, if they make the movie, they don't have a line where one of them says, "You know, we're not so different, you and I." Yeah, <laughs> 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 <most>
1: overused. Like, <laughs> we're not so different, to you and I. It's like, oh my goodness, like we get it. I, I saw one, just one time. I wanted to see a movie where guys like, no,
0: kind of think we're pretty different, <laughs>
2: <laughs> but that's okay.
0: The last one here. Um, it's a really interesting one from... We got a comment in the uh, Talking Beasts Facebook group. Here's a comment from Nick. Talk about how Diggory's striking the bell relates to his desire to escape the world of pain and grief he lives in and how that mirrors our own desire to use fantasy as a means to escape our own struggles.
2: I don't think that the relation is... Um, it's not a motivation. I think you could draw like a parallel it's not it's not an interpretation of his actions like it's not it's not it's not born out of a motivation to desire to escape to escape the world of pain and grief like that's not his motivation and I think if you read the book you don't see anything where that's really the case I mean I think his friendship with Polly is like there's an aspect of like it is a A way of, I mean, obviously he's really good friends with Polly, but it is he. It's it's becomes a really important part of his life because it is a good way for him to like cope with all of the upheaval. And he hates being in London, and he found an awesome friend, and like that's born out of you know, life is bad. His vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But as far as so, I don't think you know him striking the bell. There's any type of ulterior motive or motivation. Um, I just do, curious. Yeah, I do think that you can, like um, Nick says, I think you could draw your own like mirror image of being like this. Doing this kind of reminds me of how sometimes when we do this, it's born out of this motivation, and I think it's a really interesting thought.
0: Maybe maybe what Nick is getting at here a little bit is you know, there's that famous quote by C. S. Lewis from Your Christianity where he said, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. So maybe what, what Nick is getting at here is, you know, Diggory's got a dying mother, um, and maybe he's more drawn to the idea of other worlds and something else because of that.
1: I honestly kind of get the idea. Diggory would be this curious just as a person, even without his mother suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me um, too. Th- that's just kind of, even thinking about the you know professor uh, that we now know uh, he is, uh, since Lewis r- ruined it for us. But <laughs> I-, I even, th- I mean, so I-, I think even about that, I think it's, uh, I think that's just kind of who he is. I think he's a curious person. Um, so yeah, I'm with Jim Finn on this one. Yeah,
2: it's like he didn't become the professor because of childhood trauma. Like, he was always going to be the professor.
0: I see what you guys and Nick are saying. I mean, I think that when you read the text, I mean, you could say, certainly, I don't think Nick is saying this is a conscious motivation. I don't think Diggory sees the hammer and says, oh, this is a chance for me to escape my world of pain and grief. Um, But, like, does the question, I guess, is does the fact that he has, um, you know, his whole world's been pulled out from under his feet? Um, He's just been He just he's moved away from the country where he doesn't like it all and uh, his mother is about to die and there's nothing he can do about it, does that uh, feeling of helplessness and does that pain and does that grief make him more predisposed to be intrigued by other worlds and be intrigued by something like this bell, which is like, well, what's gonna happen if I strike it? We're in another world, it could be anything. Did that maybe predispose him to uh, being a little more curious? um i mean both could be true it could be yes he's naturally curious probably would have gone on to be the professor anyway um but the grief he's experiencing in this world is making him maybe subconsciously more attracted to the idea of other worlds and we'll see a more concrete example of that in another cup another few chapters from now where you know he here overhears him talking about the land of youth and is there a real land of youth somewhere maybe that's sort of connected there a little bit so yeah i think it's one of those things where it's definitely not described thoroughly in the text i think especially putting it in the context of the larger themes of the series of longing of zane zookt i think you could i think it's sort of it's sort of valid to say maybe that's something that's going on inside degree whether he's conscious of it or not so um in the flow of the story it's not there but i get it. i i get where nick is coming from mm-hmm. here at the same time
2: yeah i think it's a, i think it's a it's a thought provoking thought which What is it? Thought provoking thought.
0: (laughs) We try, you know, we try to provoke. We try not to just like
2: pull it out of thin air. Provoke each other.
0: (laughs) Oh, we try to provoke each other. We We do that all the time. (laughs) Not only. (laughs) Okay. um, So yes, as uh, predicted, uh, the prophecy has been fulfilled. We we only got through one chapter. Once again, it looks like this is going to be a a one chapter per episode kind of commentary, but. We've already got our notes ready for the next episode, and I'm so tempted to just go into them. It's the deplorable word chapter, which has so many awesome lines, and it's just three people. Most of it is just three people sitting around talking, and it's amazing. Like us. Yeah, yes. <laughs> three people sitting here. So
2: I'm Polly. So what you're
0: saying is
1: the next episode is the podcast chapter. <laughs>
0: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this is uh, where we speak a lot of deplorable words. Um, so tune in next next episode, which will be our season finale, if you want to hear three people talk about three people talking about stuff. There's your little teaser. Uh, <laughs> if
2: that works.
0: All right, Jen Fan, you want to take the outro?
2: Sure thing. All right. You've been listening to Talking Beast, the Narnia podcast from dot com. And if you have enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and give us five stars on iTunes. And you can also post a comment on NarniWeb.com or in the Facebook page, Facebook group of the Talking Beasts, the Talking Beasts Facebook group. Got it. That one. And uh, please visit Patreon.com slash NarniWeb to support this podcast and get exclusive content, um, not limited to, but including, but not limited to more episodes. And until next time, further up and further in.
0: Thank you for the embellishment, especially adding the <laughs> pleases. It was a lot nicer. The this time. I
2: feel very polite these days. <laughs> I work in customer service. Can you tell?